Hi, Mr. B here. Welcome to the inside of my being, where I share something of what preoccupies my heart in this another entry in my new series, Mr. B's Diaries. I feel that my last diary entry, an open exploration of the spirituality of our modern world, has cracked open a door for me, exposing a threshold I'm compelled to cross, to write and talk through subjects that have largely been censored out of public discussion in society today. Hey, if you've not already listened to that last episode on modern spirituality, please check it out. If you have already listened, then please, by all means, become part of an open and public discussion of modern spiritual censorship in the forum of my website, beautymrb.org. Today, I'd like to open up discussion on another subject that has largely been excluded from public discourse, the deep sense of bitterness, anger, and even contempt that seems buried within the modern heart. Here's some of the questions I'd like to explore in a variety of ways, through this podcast, in writings on my blog, within the forum of my website, over the next several weeks. What does this modern anger actually look like? Why are so many today increasingly angry? And perhaps most important, how can we begin to overcome this paralyzing obstacle to progress, both our own progress as individuals and the progress of society as a whole? This is clearly too much for a single podcast diary entry. Therefore, my goal today will be quite limited, to open up the subject of modern anger for a more direct and honest discussion of how we truly feel. How about if I open this Pandora's box with my own confession? I'm not angry. It's true. Pretty much anyone who knows me can attest to this reality. By nature, I'm just not an angry person. I've never really had much of a temper, plus my threshold, before I really do become angry, and yes, there is one, is set relatively high. Hmm... If you're unsure about this, go ahead and ask someone who's had me as a teacher. Did Mr. B ever get mad? The answer, I'm pretty sure, will probably be something like, No, I never really saw Mr. B become angry. I didn't even get mad that one day when entering my classroom to start a lesson on criminal procedure, I observed two sophomore boys pulling down their pants in front of the room, mooning the entire class. Actually, it was pretty funny. It was hard for me not to laugh. So, if I'm really not all that angry myself, then why would I feel the need to write and talk through the subject of anger in my diary and on my website? Good question. Well, I feel that it's because As I become more aware, more conscious, it's becoming increasingly difficult not to notice the rising of anger in our times. Just open the front page of a newspaper today, or any day. And at the same time, 
it's becoming increasingly difficult for me not to notice how the social norms of modernity work to repress the open expression of all this anger. From what I can observe, it seems that so many are suffering under the weight of their own rage, that so many need an outlet through which their bitterness can find at least some release, and that so many today find themselves without the tools to detach from the source of their anger and move forward again with their lives. To begin this conversation, I'd like to explore a few of the shapes that modern anger takes in life today. I'll start us off with my own story, a story of how I could no longer ignore this anger that seems to mark our time. And then I'll share perspectives from two others who, like me, have considered what the forms of modern anger actually look like. All this, I hope, will give you, good podcast listeners, permission to share your own stories in the forum of an emerging virtual community. It's on my website. Let's start with me. If I'm not angry by nature, then how did I first become conscious of a bitterness that appears to be rising within the hearts of an entire generation. I became aware in class, a class I taught for several years toward the end of my career, U.S. government and politics. Shortly after each semester began, I would have student groups create and present to the class their own systems of government. But here's the catch. Unlike our own government, These student-created governments actually had to work. Each was required to meet the needs created by our own most fundamental human nature. Thus, the first question for each student group was this. What best describes our most fundamental nature as human beings? Students offered a variety of answers, of course. But gradually, one specific nature came to be offered more frequently than the others. Anger. Yes, according to more and more of my students, what they felt to be the most fundamental trait of their own human natures was anger. This bitter trend came to a head during the first semester of my final year of teaching. It was then that in one particular class, every student group, six in all, agreed on the one trait which best defined the human being. Yes, you guessed it, anger. Now, of course, this didn't make me mad. It didn't even come close, but it sure made me curious. I paused, took a deep breath, surveyed the six government scrolls, posted on the four walls of my classroom. Then I looked my students in the eyes, burning with a heartfelt stream of questions. You're angry? All of you are angry? Angry at who? About what exactly? Why haven't any of you ever talked about your anger before? How come I didn't know that you're full of anger? Why don't you ever look angry? Why, you don't look angry even now. I stopped, 
hoping for a response, but none was forthcoming. Silence. I looked at them, sad and bewildered, and they looked back at me, the picture of calm. Finally, after what seemed to me like an eternity, the absolutely most wonderful person, a precious senior, someone who I've had in class before, Caitlin Sweeney broke the silence. In the softest and sweetest voice, with what seemed to be a genuine smile on her face, Caitlin looked at me and said, Yes, Mr. Bleacher, we're all angry. I turned to the class, and they all nodded, yes. I turned back to Caitlin, trying to elicit more. But nothing more was said. She just smiled again and shrugged her shoulders. That was it, all that this class would offer, more than any class had ever offered or would ever offer. Far from satisfying my curiosity, my need to know, this encounter kindled a sense of wonder within me. You know, it's funny. Here I am, the teacher, and actually, or shall I say, as usual, I was learning from my students. This encounter officially kicked off my own investigation of the truth about modern anger. My object is not to bore you. Instead, I hope to pique your own curiosity to also kindle the fire of wonder within you as we explore the phenomenon of 21st century anger together. To begin this exploration, I'd like first to curate for you two distinct perspectives on this subject. Let's start with the perspective of a true elder, an older person. Stephen Jenkinson, on the emotional state of that generation which is now coming into its maturity. As always, Jenkinson's thoughtfulness, wisdom, attention to detail, and his brutal honesty are all essential. Quote, In one hand, these kids have an impotent rage, a rage that has had the energy leached out of it by futility and pointlessness and the chronic collapse of faith, all heat and no light. In the other hand is an aimless, wandering, principled anxiety, dressed up as brittle conscience, all light and no heat. And these are their prized possessions. And that's why their hands are curled around them into fists. Some of the time, maybe most of the time, that's what they have. It's all they have. Their formal education, their political education, their media education. By these, they have been persuaded that awareness and prescience in a troubled time means burden and troubled sleep and rancor in the marketplace of ideas. It means merit so compromised as to be an allegation. It means there is no tradition of their own worth claiming. It means seeking out a cooler, intact, cafe au lait spirit tradition that they can be nursed by. It means trading in a sense of well-being for a sense of compromise and a label of privilege just to feel something like legitimacy, just to survive a casual conversation about how things are. 
It means fashioning a hair shirt out of conscience. It means enthroning misanthropy, just the time christened the Anthropocene dawns. Good luck with that, unquote. According to Jenkinson, the generation now coming of age is filled with anger. Its fists are clenched tight in fear, and they are stretched out before us in a plea for help. It's an anger justified by the troubled times we're living through today. Please, after you've listened and maybe visited the website for the text itself, spend some time in reflection on what Jenkinson has to say, and then share what surfaces from your heart in the forum of my website. Whatever you share, I'm sure, will encourage others to also uncover the depths of wounds buried within. Before signing off this afternoon, I'd like to share with you one more perspective. And this perspective is from someone who is living through, has lived through, this modern anger himself. I've excerpted this passage from the book, quote, Kids These Days, unquote, and it was written by a then 28-year-old, Malcolm Harris. Quote, Over the past 40 years, since the late 1970s, we have witnessed an accelerated and historically unprecedented pace of change as capitalism emerged as the single dominant mode of organizing society. It's a system based on speed, and the speed is always increasing. Capitalism changes lives. Lately, this system has started to hyperventilate. It's desperate to find anything that hasn't yet been re-engineered to maximize profit, and then it makes those changes as quickly as possible. The rate of change is visibly unsustainable. The profiteers call this process disruption, while commentators on the left generally call it neoliberalism or late capitalism. Millennials know it better as, quote, the world, unquote, or, quote, America, or everything. And, quote, everything, unquote, sucks. Parenthetically, this is Mr. B. This passage made me think of that music video from a few years back. You know, This Is America by Childish Gambino. Maybe I'll put together a few like resources and also post them on the site. Back to Harris. The growth of growth requires a different kind of person, one whose abilities, skills, emotions, and even sleep schedule are in sync with their role in the economy. We hear a sweetened version of this fact whenever politicians talk about preparing young people for the 21st century labor market, and a slightly more sinister version from police officers and guidance counselors when they talk about working hard, flying right, and not making mistakes. It's tough love, and young Americans are getting it from all sides. This advice is uncontroversial on its face, but its implications are profound. In order to fully recognize the scope of these changes, we need to think about young people 
the way industry and the government already do, as investments, productive machinery, human capital, unquote. Hmm. The commodification of the human being, a paradigm whereby workers and students become machinery, become productive machinery, a form of capital, human capital. I wonder on the extent to which Harris's description of our 21st century anger resonates within you. How the anger wrapped within the idea of human commodification might actually feel. And how, if at all, such a form of anger would be expressed in our everyday lives. That's what this sharing of perspectives, mine, Jenkinson's, and that of Harris, is meant to provoke your response. And hey, that's what my new, improved, and expanded website is for. Remember, please, it's beautymrb.org. I promise I'll see to it that my website forum remains a safe space where we can meet, a space where we can engage in open, honest discussion about what really matters, and that it will become a space where we can support and encourage each other in our mutual efforts to develop and grow while we live within the challenges of a world that right now is crumbling. Thank you in advance for participating in this small way toward the building of a just world, a world based on what is true. One more note for my listeners. I'm not 100% sure of exactly when I'll be able to podcast again. Right now, I'm in the middle of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, helping my daughter Sarah to recover from back surgery. No worries. Sarah will recover, and I will podcast again. In the meantime, I plan on more regularly posting written material on the blog of my website. Until next time, whenever that may be, I have one and only one overriding wish for you, and that, my friends, is peace.